G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. I'm Lech Dog and today I'm joined by the fantastic, the magnificent, the Fremantle supporter number one, Damo. How are you, you beautiful human? Brayshaw Breakout! <laughs> it's happening! Brayshaw Breakout! Frio's up and about, the Blues are winning football, patches in the top like 800, he can't join us today, it's all gone to his head, he's too good for us now, but Damo... It was a pretty shit round, but uh, geez, for us, happy to come away with the win, aren't we? Very happy to come away with the win, but just to put it in perspective how um, crap Supercoach was this week, I scored 19.54 and went up in the rankings by about 1,500 spots. <laughs> yeah. So you know everyone had a shit week when you go up in rankings <laughs> after a score like that. It's been a rough round, and it's only going to get rougher, I suspect. They're going to be cramming games. Players are going to be tired. It's, we're going to see some some weird scores. And some of the teams that are getting really good scores are like, you know, they're like running Ben Long as captain. So some stuff's happening. But uh, let's talk about Supercoach, Damo. Also, actually, I'll shout out my girlfriend. I'm in trouble, Damo. As you know... We were doing her trades on Friday night, and we traded in Rankin, because she's a Gold Coast fan. She wanted Rankin on field, so we traded in Rankin. And then we either... I can't remember who it was. It was either Ridley or, like, some primo midfielder. I don't know. Anyway, we logged on on Saturday to check how our team was going, because it was dominating. Oh, it was Adam Trelaw. She wanted Adam Trelaw. Um, logged in on Saturday. Trades never went through. She hates me, and it cost her about 300 points. So, love you, babe. Um, please don't. Please let me keep doing the podcast. Just had to legally shout that one out, Damo. Those would have been some good trades, though. They would have been great trades. Instead, she got Lewis Butler in. <laughs> and that was it. Uh, so, yeah, no, she she um she's filing for separation. But let's talk about Supercoach, Damo. Because the trades are pretty simple this week. You bring in Isaac Rankin, and then you bring in one of... Simpson, Day, or McPherson, right? Well, it would be that simple, but I've got Isaac Heaney to deal with, so do I turn Isaac Heaney into someone like uh, Hugh Greenwood, who is very high on my radar, uh, or very high on my list this week, or do I go for two rookies and bank that, what is going to be like 600k and do a double upgrade next week? And I suppose the answer is sort of what you said, Last uh, last podcast, I'd prefer to get rookies off the field rather than putting more rookies on field. So I think Hugh Greenwood and Isaac Rankin is probably who's going to come into my team this week. And um, I'm happy to miss out on Sam Simpson. I don't trust Chris Scott with his job security. I've been told by Hawks fans not to trust Alistair Clarkson with Will Day. And Andrew McPherson, I know Isaac Rankin in, is in sort of in the same boat, but... Andrew McPherson hasn't been able to string even a preseason t- together just due to hamstring injuries. Yeah, there are some concerns over him. Baron Von Crow said as much. He said, you know, it's it's going to be a risky trade, but if he's playing uh, defense rookies this year have been kind of hard to come by. 
So I don't mind bringing him in. I, I'm with you. I'm sort of greedy. It hasn't worked. I've gone sort of painted the fence pretty much every week this season. Uh, and it's sort of working. Having said that, I've lost rank for the last two weeks. But the greedy side of me is wanting to get two players in, one rookie, one person that I'm going to sit on field. And is it is it too late for that to be like a, a, a Tom Duday? He's still only 380k. Or do, is it not worth doing it if you look at a 300k player? Do you need to look at that upper echelon like a Hugh Green would like you've identified? Well, Tom Duday is probably going to score better than a rookie and probably be slightly more reliable despite his up and down scoring but I do like looking at the value and I think looking at value is the way to go this year don't play don't pay top dollar for any player this year if you can because it's going to be the case of whoever can finish their team as best as possible and I guess that sort of brings into the discussion do we keep the likes of a Devin Smith who is only scoring 70s or do we keep the likes of a Brett Bewley who seems to be pegging scores between 75 and 90 at most weeks. Are those the sorts of players that, even though we were sure one was a keeper and one was an, and one was a stepping stone, are we sure that they're people that we actually want to get rid of or even keep at the moment? Yeah, it's a tough one. Dustin Martin, also terrible score on the weekend, hasn't been playing well for us in Supercoach. I was watching him and I just thought he was sort of lazy and, I don't know, I don't know, he just... Didn't seem to be taking it too seriously on the weekend, but I digress. Uh, these guys that are in our teams and they're pumping out, you know, above rookie scores, slightly above rookie scores, I think we're kind of stuck with them. So Devin Smith's break-even is 92. He's lost 13... Well, he lost 13k on the weekend. He's giving you a, a slight increase from his starting price. I think he's going to be destined to be stuck at your F6 and F7 uh, just because we know he can turn up. He's not doing it at the moment. He's lost value. And quite frankly, if you're in a position to upgrade him without having anything to worry about in the rest of your side, without having to patch holes anywhere else, then you're already good enough that you can afford to do that. But for the rest of us, normies, us non-patchers, uh, I think you've just got to hold him. You've just got to stick with him. And it and it sucks, but, uh, you know, he might still... Mc- somehow get to that average of 90 we wanted to see him hit at preseason. Your boys had a good win on Sunday night, um, but what happened to Sam Doherty? Was he tagged in the first three quarters, or did you finally let him out of his cage at three-quarter time? Uh, it's a good question. I obviously have him caged up most of the time, and I it's hard for me to answer because not a lot. You can't really see a lot on the uh, on the broadcast, but he just... Just didn't get amongst it. Was tagged to the shithouse last week. I think he had a bit of attention paid to him this week. He still had seven marks. He was still involved towards the end. But I don't think it's something we need to worry about. But the Blues, uh, it's a good sign for the Blues that they won without Doherty and Cripps having impact. But I don't think it's something we need to worry about. I think SPS played out of his mind. There's going to be potentially one or two changes to that side. I, I think Doc, you know, he's still still back him in. I don't think there's any point stuffing around with him. His break even's super high now. It's almost 200. Um, but in that game, Damon was another man who is one of the most traded in players this week, but I think we can wait another week on him if you don't have him. And it's Bailey Smith. Had the concussion the week before, dominated 
you know, was really influential. Well, I don't know if he was influential, but had a lot of the ball in the weekend. His break even was still over 130. So he's currently the sixth most traded in player this week, but I like him uh, as an option next week. So maybe that's what you can use some of that cash from your downgrade for this week. Um, another one from that game demo, Pitnet. What do we do about him? He's, uh, if you've got him on field, if you've got him R3, and or if you've got him at R2, there's probably two different scenarios. What are you going to do with him? Uh, I actually never brought him in. I didn't have the opportunity to without tearing my team apart all those weeks ago when he was a reasonable price. But to those people who have him, I've seen lots of people choosing to either keep him and ride out the season with him at R2, just at, purely for the fact that he's no longer technically a rookie and he's not scoring like a rookie. But I've also seen people thinking it's time to cash him in. I've even seen some people deciding that they're going to completely paint the fence and turn Pitney into like a Todd Goldstein. I'd love to... My initial plan this week was to try and upgrade him. Some injuries and some presuming rookie droppings are going to change that. I really wanted to to trade him up to Gorn this week. But guess what? Gorn keeps pumping out the scores. Goldie might be a good option. But I'll say this, I don't think his score is reflective of how he played on the weekend. I was surprised. I was talking in the forums with a couple of people. I was surprised to see that he only pumped out a 75 um, after Sunday's game because he, he, he was very effective. So if I had the luxury, it's similar to the Devin Smith thing. If you've got the luxury to trade him, it's probably not a bad thing. But I think he probably comes good uh, from a super coach point of view. And you could probably hold on to him for a few more weeks. Which rookies do you think are ready to go? We've already mentioned uh, mentioned Brandon Starsevic, who seems to have hit the wall. Do, is someone like uh, uh, Curtis Taylor good to go? Or is he still the sort of player who's going to be in that North Melbourne 22 that we don't have to move on quite as quickly, even though we might lose money from him in the short term at the very least? Yeah, so Stasevich break even ninety three, lost thirty, or he's projected to lose thirteen thousand dollars, lost some money on the weekend. I think pending how things come out with rookies for defence, some people like myself are relying on him. So he might be one we're forced to hold if he can hold his place in that team. If he's dropped, you trade him, no stress. Curtis Taylor Demo had the 15. He's been cleared of fresh facial fractures, so he might play this week. His break-even's only 46. There's no point holding, I think, these rookies until they get to their peak value. So I think you can go a Taylor down to a Rankin this week and be pretty comfortable with that. Um, other guys in a similar boat, Connor Butterick, break-even 54. People are talking about moving him on. I'm not fussed either way on him. Sam Sturt, what happened with Sturt? So he rolled his ankle at the Friday captain's run and he's now out for two weeks. But given the Dockers' um, current injury run, that could be like, he could be fine tomorrow. Yeah. And Butterick, is he someone that you'd be looking to move on? Tyler Brown, if you haven't already moved him on, obviously, probably one worth moving on. I think Butterick is the kind of player that you could probably hold for maybe three or four more weeks because his BE, his break-even is due to come down a little bit to assist him in making a little bit more cash, and he seems to have a pretty secure job in that Suns backline, and 
as much as the Suns have improved this year, they're going to see a lot of ball at both ends of the ground. So I think Rankin is going to be good up forward for them and Butterick is going to be good down back. There's a few more uh, that we could talk about. John Noble, he's been emergency the last two weeks. I know he's still in a lot of teams. Isaac Quayner played really well on the weekend. I think I'd, I'd struggle, even despite John Noble being the best on in the practice match, I would struggle to see him breaking his way into the side this week. I think it's a pretty good opportunity to either upgrade him or flick him down to someone like a McPherson. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I think if you've still got him on your bench, then he's made a good amount. Oh, actually, he hasn't really made all that much money, has he? Made about but- 50k so far. Yeah, and people sort of brought him in hoping that he would make a lot more because he did score that 76 in round one. So people thought that maybe he'd get to the 350, even 400k mark just by pumping out 75s every week, but that hasn't been the case. So he's kind of been very disappointing in a sense, but he's made us a little bit of money. We can now move him on to a rookie to make even more cash, but... We're not really getting a lot of defensive rookies coming through at the moment, so I'm sort of thinking the quickest you can complete your defense, the better. So going back to your Tom Dude call at 380k, maybe you bring him in to D5 or D6 or wherever your rookie on field is sitting at the moment because, to be honest, I've currently got Stephen Hill at D5 and... To be honest, I'm pretty comfortable with him sitting there because I don't see him coming out of that Dockers 22 anytime soon. Yeah, it's a good call. I think the jump from John Noble to uh, uh, Dude um, isn't a far jump, and you could even—I wouldn't—but you could go a, no- a Noble to a to a Hill as well if you wanted to. Once again, I wouldn't. I'd prefer to jump down. Another guy that I know a lot of people are worried about: Trent Rivers, 166Ks, only played the three games. Feels like a wasted trade if you're trading him out, but they've got an extra game to catch up. Games are going to be condensed. He might get back into the side soon, but who knows? I can see Trent Rivers coming back into that De- Damon side pretty quickly, to be honest. We've got... There's another couple of rookies that we can actually talk about, or one in particular. Mitch Georgiatis is going to play this weekend against the Blues. So if for whatever reason you need two forwards to go to, or you don't want to go to Rankin, or you went early on him... You're going to get another opportunity to to jump on Georgiatis. Only played the one game. We don't really know what he's going to produce, but he's just he's floating around as a potential option. Definitely an option. I'm I missed that news, but if he's been confirmed to play this weekend, then he's also a very good option because Port Adelaide have sort of talked him into the fact that he might become a big-bodied midfielder. Yeah, that... although we hear that talk. A lot, so we don't know whether we want to buy it on. Are we buying that stock? <laughs> uh, I'd rather buy my Rankin stock. It's slightly cheaper. T B H. Let's let's talk about some primos, Damo. My feel is that for most primos, it's a hold, and by primos I mean anyone who's priced above two hundred thousand dollars in twenty twenty. Uh, Dylan Shield, he's going to miss a couple of weeks, so if you've got him, I'd probably be. Moving him on, he scored 74 on the weekend, lost a little bit of cash. I think he's primed to sideways trade. But there are some players we can start to bring in. Um, 
Bailey Smith was mentioned before. Jai Simkin, still one of the most traded in players this week, Damo, at 555k. He's all he's got to be close to peak price, 127 on the weekend, break even of 101. He is becoming a very good player for North Melbourne and a very important player, but I actually feel like there might be a shock to his system when Zebel and Cunnington both return. I don't know why I have that feeling. But he settled into a role, obviously, being the main man in that North Melbourne midfield. When Cunnington and Zebel return, or has Zebel already returned? I don't pay attention Zeeble to Zebel did Melbourne. not play on the weekend. Um, I feel like when both of them return, he might just have a bit of a shock to his system, sort of. And he, I think his scoring will come down a little bit, allow big bit cheaper, allow more people to bring him in. So I think... The, the best time to bring him in wouldn't be now when he's at his possibly peak price and wait maybe three weeks, four weeks until Zebel and Cunnington are back in before you bring him in and maybe that trade is actually what completes your team. Let's let's keep moving through these guys. Lockie Whitfield was one of the big trade-in options during the week. He pumped out a 111, gained a little bit of cash. Are you trusting him? Are you trusting him enough to bring him in or are you waiting another week and grabbing Bailey Smith afterwards? Do I trust GWS? No. Do I trust Lockie Whitfield? Yes. He loves his junk time. He loves being a seagull. He loves collecting the ball at every opportunity. He's in and under, but he also loves the balls on the outside, the the uncontested possession. He's going to be a good scorer, not necessarily a consistent scorer, but a good scorer for most of the season. And if you can get him in this week, if you want him, then I think he's a good option. Another guy, 530k defender, Callum Mills. Now, Damo, the Inner Sanctum might have talked you out of selecting him this week and trading him in. And he pumped out a 173. It's skyrocketed his price by 56k, all the way up to 532,000. He's averaging 110 this year. One, is it the real deal? And two, JPK uh, is out for five to six weeks, and Heaney's out for the season. With uh, He's dislocated and torn the tendons in his ankle. What do we is, is now there's too many question marks over bringing Mills in, or are we even more confident in looking at him as a super coach option? I think there's just questions over Sydney altogether, to be honest. I can't see where they're going to move the ball forward, and I can't see them being very, very attacking out of their back half. And... John Longmire said after the game that Callum Mills appeared to be playing spare, but it was just that Richmond put one more player onto the ball, which and they didn't adjust because they just were playing six defenders as 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 you do six six six, and I think that partly contributed to Callum Mills' score, like because he was just able to get the ball at will and and add to his score and keep going and keep going and keep going, so. Their opposition will be pretty keyed in on this now and will probably choose to play 6-6-6 on Sydney and see where that goes because John Logmire does like to, to push the boundaries with his tactics sometimes and it'll be interesting to see who benefits from Josh Kennedy being out or Isaac Heaney being out. Do they push someone like a Callum Mills in, into the midfield to take Josh Kennedy's minutes or do they bring in another rookie or do they recall Justin McInerney? Or what happens with their forward line? What happens with their midfield? What happens with their defense? 
there could be a complete shake-up now that those two very key players in their lineup have gone missing. Yeah, I think we're going to see plenty of youth coming into that side. I think we're going to see him experiment. You'd assume McInerney's coming back in. You just don't know where their goals are going to come from. You don't know who's going to stop the goals. And they're not playing Ruckman. So, <laughs> really, I mean, like, I don't know what's going on. Free Paps, that's all I have to say. Bring him back down to the Blues. Do it for him, Sydney. Come on, you owe it to him. A couple more names I want to run past you, Damo. Adam Trelaw played his second game. He's at, you know, he's primo primo, 600k, 613k, but he's backed up a, a, a solid one, I think, what was it, a 121 or a 120 first game? 119. He's backed it up with a 122. He's a beast. If you can get him, is he someone you want to go for? I like Adam Trelaw. I think he's actually quite an honest player. Um, take whatever you mean of that, but I I think he's probably one of the best super coach options in this shortened season with the shortened games because he's still getting 30 disposals, even though most of them, even though probably a good 10 or 15 of them are probably cheap. Yeah, and they're st- throws. He's getting, more, <laughs> he, he's getting more disposals than most other players, meaning his score is always going to remain high and he is a key to Brody Grundy scoring well as well. He just he's he's almost the perfect super coach player in that uh his efficiency doesn't seem to come into it a whole lot. He gets the ground balls, he gets the hard balls, he gets a lot of handball receives, a lot of hit out um collects a lot of hit outs. They're all points. They're all points into the bank for Adam Trelaw. So I think he's a valuable selection, even though he's a expensive one. Um Damo, I want to talk about Jack Martin at 478k, but I want you to talk about Andrew Brayshaw at 474k. They're both forward mids. They're both players that people started in the in the start of the year hoping they would come good. They both seem to be hitting their straps. So do you want to talk touch on Andrew Brayshaw and whether you'd consider bringing him in this week? I uh, I love Andrew Brayshaw. We've obviously we've obviously got the Brayshaw breakout bet going on. Um, he, <laughs> it's looking good so far. He is um, he is loving his extra time in the midfield, and Justin Longmuir has obviously woken up to the fact that he needs to be on the field and in the guts because he even moved heaven and earth. He put five at full forward to keep Andrew Brayshaw in the midfield on the on the on the weekend and it paid dividends because the Dockers came from 37 points down to win by a goal which was a fantastic effort by the Dockers um but he was just so good with the ball 85% disposal efficiency he spent 89% on the ground of the a uh, time on ground of the game and he just seems like he has settled into a key part of that inside midfield structure, and it's just it's just awesome to see. And obviously, he doesn't hit the scoreboard like Jack Martin does, but he's got the grunt. He tackles a lot. He marks a lot. He he just creates a target for the Dockers midfield, and he's starting to be another one that they've got. Yeah, he's look. I'll, I'll just I'll show my hand early. If I had to choose between him and Martin this week, I'd probably pick him. Uh, I just think for all the reasons you've just said, and he doesn't hit the scoreboard, but we can see that he can still produce points. But I just wanted to talk about Martin preseason. 
was super stoked to have him at the Blues. I thought he was going to be a big, like, big impact on the club and how we play. I didn't think that would translate to super coach. I thought we were going to stick him as a small forward, play him as a small forward all year long, just keep him there, do what we do to Michael Gibbons. But And they've tried that a couple of games, but what they've been able to do, what the coaching staff have done, they've gone, all right, Cripper, you're not influencing how we want you going forward. Martin, we're starting you on the ball. And when he does that, he's playing exceptionally well. He's not a super high disposal getter, but he, he's one of our leading tacklers. He's one of our leading contested players, um, which is great for super coach. He gets a lot of the ground balls. He really good with hands and receiving hands. So I just wanted to shout him out. He does kick goals as well. He's kicked a goal. He's kicked what? How many has he kicked? Uh, nine, eight goals for the. He's coming second in our goal kicking. Eight goals for the season. I th- don't think you could go wrong with either of these guys. I'd probably go Brayshaw. I think his ceiling is super higher from a is slightly higher from a super coach point of view, but. Just wanted to shout him out. I think um, I was definitely wrong on Jack Martin, super coach wise preseason. So, uh, but another option. I think he's he's in seven percent of teams. So like he's still a little bit of a pod as well. Um, but they're two guys in that mid priced forward range. Well, it's primo this year that we can look at, um, which is exciting and and it's nice to to go with some slightly different type of players this year. Another guy that's uh, really performing well Damo in a in a void of significance over at Richmond is Jaden Short who no Bashahuli on the stream for those who were watching last week we roughly we went through and looked at his all of his hundred plus games over the last few years and generally they happen when Bashahuli's not in that side uh couldn't do the actual maths but you know colloquially when Basha wasn't playing Jaden Short was scoring well he's done it on the weekend he scored a 118 He's only 448k. He's gained 100k this year. If you don't have him, is he a must-get? Keeping in mind, he's only actually turned up twice this year. He's only turned up twice, but he's been pretty good at scoring above 80 points. I think he's only had a one score under 80. I think it was a 76, I believe. 75 against Melbourne, and he did have a 78 against Collingwood in round two. But, you know, basically 80. Yeah, sure. He's... He's probably one of those options, like we were mentioning before, maybe he's one of those cheaper options that you can just get to complete your defense. Like, I don't think we're going to get those star-studded, out-and-out, 100-point-per-week defenders or midfielders or anyone across each line this year. I think it's a case of getting the best possible player available to you at that time and complete your team, get rookies off field. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Another guy in that space is Andrew McGrath, who Tim Mitchell from the Herald Sun absolutely loves. Bought him in a couple of weeks ago. Pumped out a 120 and a 91 since then. Um, has been good. He's 460k. Another one of those guys. Get him on field. Hope for the best. Um, speaking of Essendon, we didn't mention Mitch Hibbard before as a mid-option. Only 144k. One to consider. Um, but yeah, get... Get the players who are going to score points that you can afford at the time. Uh, Jack, I, and this is not a recommendation. I'm merely stating that Jack Lukosius has turned up twice in the last three games. He's only 389k. I'm not endorsing him. I'm just putting it out there, Damo. Noted. Two guys that a lot of people were swearing against and hated him and they're the worst players ever. Why did I select them? Came out and dominated on the weekend. Dan Houston and Jack Viney. 
I'm in a position where I don't have either of these players, and in the case of Dan Houston, I'm actually looking at him as a potential option. Is there anything from these two that you see that's changed for them to pump out decent scores? Was it just a good game? Dan Houston's backed up uh, a couple of decent games. He had 109 this week and 117 last week. Is there is there merit to bringing these guys in? Is there anything you like about them? Dan Houston is currently playing through that Port Adelaide midfield because Tom Rockliffe isn't there. So I believe he is getting Tom Rockliffe's midfield minutes, which he was supposedly promised um, in the preseason. Uh Jack Viney's always going to be in that Melbourne midfield. It's just the influence he has that will dictate his score. And up against Gold Coast, as I said, they've improved immensely this season. Stuart Dew should be commended for that. But they're still quite an inexperienced side, and he is a hard nut. I wasn't super pro trading him last week, but I'm not super pro bringing him in. If you've got him, you hold him as long as you can. I do think we're going to see a dip from him again. Um, someone who's not dipping, and I don't think it's because Mitch Duncan was injured on the weekend, but is Sam Menegola, who, kudos to whoever it was in the stream, they brought him in. He's pumped out a 108, a 116, and a 152 in a row. This man, this is the Sam Menegola that I thought we'd have last year, and the year before, and every other year he's played, at under 500k, averaging 125 over his last three just floating his name out there as someone that we can look at. Uh, do you see it continuing for Sam Menegola? Or is there, or is it the Scott factor again? I see no reason why it can't continue. There's a lot of these sort of guys that I don't see any reason not to trade him in other than I'm a coward. And he falls into that. Guys like Matt Crouch falls into that. Took Miller falls into that. And I'm just too scared myself to do it, Damo. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a pod that's worse than them because I'm just awful at picking players. Is there anyone that we haven't touched on already that is interesting you this week or anything else you want to just talk about, you beautiful human? I'm going to be honest. I feel like we've touched everything that we need to in this um, broadcast at the moment. Well, we can just talk about how good Fremantle and Carlton are if you want. I think that would be better for a different podcast. It'd be a very specific niche podcast for fans of both Carlton and Fremantle. That'd be a strange, strange podcast. Have we done many trades together, Fremantle and Carlton? The last trade Carlton and Fremantle did was we traded you Robbie Warnock. Was it Robbie Matthew Warnock? Robbie Warnock. Warnock. It was must have been. It was Robbie Warnock. Was he from Frio? I remember him. Shit in the yeah. bed in a couple of grand no not grand finals a couple of couple of finals and missing goals late but I think Fremantle have traded a few players to Carlton but I don't think Carlton's ever traded anyone to Fremantle. All right, I've I've got Wikipedia up. We're doing a deep dive on this strange podcast. Consider this a um, consider this a a trial a pilot. All right, so Troy Long Longmuir, you traded to us first. Selection 67 in 2004-5. Troy Longmuir went to play 11 games and kicked 10 goals for the Blues. Very good. I've got no memory of him at all. Um, 
And that's when I started following the footy. All right, let's go see what else we got. Robbie Warnock, you traded to us for uh, with pick 65. And we gave you selections 24, 56, and 68. I'd love to know what those trades became. What year um, was that? 2008 and nine off-season. Okay, so pick 24 was Nick Subin. I can't... Pick 56 I don't know. was Ben Bukovaz. He only played like three games for us. was Tim Ruffles. You got Michael Walter for pick 53 there. And Carlton. I'll, I'll pull out what Carlton got for that pick 65. Um, and that looks like it's, that's the only two trades that the clubs have done. And that pick demo, we've spent 37 years trying to Google it. Uh, well, I have. That pick was Reese O'Keefe, pick 65. Reese O'Keefe, who played three games for Carlton, two in 2012, one in 2011. Yeah. Sounds like a good trade. Thank you, Robbie Warnock. That's been um, uh, Frio and the Blues, <laughs> the pilot. Let us know if you want more of that great content. Damo, thank you for joining me. It was good to be here. Hopefully we can um, have a better weekend in Supercoach and hopefully our teams can continue to win. Oh, I'm happy being shit at Supercoach if the Blues keep winning. If the Blues knock off Port this week, gee whiz, I'm going to do the next pod in the nude. And considering we record using Facecam now, that would be horrific. <laughs> well, I think you'd be lucky. But thank you, Damo. Thank you for joining me, you beautiful human. Uh, catch Damo on the website. I'm sure you'll see him around. Catch him on Twitter at DamoSC, and I'm at LekDogSC. Peace out, community.